Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. When Paul Beach was a kid growing up in Maine, he would go to this recycling center that was part of a grocery store. It was a pretty big space in the grocery store. And you just bring your bottles and cans in. They sorted them like green bottles went here, white bottles went there, brown bottles went here, cans went over there. Paul noticed that people would walk into the recycling center with a bag of, well, garbage, essentially. And they would walk out with cash. He wanted in on the hustle. And I would have... Like $50 in cans. It took me a while to get that much, but it was pretty good income for like a 10-year-old. That experience taught Paul the literal value of recycling. Every bottle or can was worth up to 15 cents in Maine because of the state's bottle bill. That's a law designed to encourage recycling. When Paul moved to California, where we also have a bottle bill, he thought things would work about the same. But his nearest redemption center was far, so he never went. Now he puts his items on the curb where they're whisked away by a waste hauling company. I am pretty sure that company that I pay to take the recycling fishes through and gets all the cans and they get the money for the cans and bottles. So I'm like, you're getting paid on both sides. It's like, this just doesn't seem fair. This has all left him wondering about a few things. Where does the money go for bottle and can redemption if we don't bring the bottles and cans back? And why is it so hard to find a place to recycle them in the first place? In today's episode of Bay Curious, we dig into how this recycling system works and why some argue it's seriously broken. Plus, who's pocketing the CRV money from California's unclaimed bottles and cans? I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious. We'll be right back. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night 
knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. To answer Paul's questions about bottle and can redemption in California, KQED's Stephen Rascone has been following the money. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Olivia. So Paul's question is all about CRV. Can you explain what exactly that is? Sure. CRV stands for California Redemption Value, and it applies to certain bottled and canned drinks you buy from the store. Anytime you buy one of these beverages with the letters CRV engraved on the lid or printed on the label, you're paying 5 to 10 cents extra at the checkout line. Paying this extra charge is supposed to work like a deposit, because once we're done with that drink, we're supposed to recycle it and get back those 10 cents. And this applies specifically to store-bought beverages, so containers of like juice, coffee, water, soda. Exactly. This recycling system is part of a law that's colloquially known as the bottle bill. We are one of 10 states in the country with a bottle bill. Beverage containers specifically continue to make up roughly half of roadside litter across the country. And so in the 80s, environmentalists and lawmakers decided to do something about it in California and pass the bottle bill. And recycling experts say this system works. So we know that bottle bills on average reduce beverage container litter by 50%. So we can keep some of this plastic out of the ocean if we have bottle bills in place. That's Susan Collins. She's the head of the Container Recycling Institute in Culver City, California. The whole reason bottle bills work like magic, why I call them the rock stars of recycling, is because of the incentive that's attached to it. Because people either hold onto their bottle and turn it in for the five cents, or if they do litter it, someone else picks it up and takes it in for recycling. Since California passed its bottle bill, the number of recycled containers has shot up. The Container Recycling Institute says one out of five beverage containers recycled in the U.S. are being recycled in California. But not all those bottles and cans are getting redeemed for cash. And when that happens, that money just stays in what's called the Beverage Container Fund, a fund that's owned by the state. What is the unclaimed money in that fund used for? So the unclaimed deposits from those containers, the money that no one's getting, belong to the state. CalRecycle is the state agency that manages the fund and the program. Susan says there's a lot of work that goes into it that we don't see. CalRecycle has about 400 people who work on this program, and those people are paid out of the unclaimed deposits. That money is also supposed to be used to create more ways for recycling our items. CalRecycle gives some of it to recycling centers who redeem our bottles and cans. Some of it goes to waste hauling companies who pick up our blue bins of recyclables. I know a lot of people, like our question asker Paul and myself, we put our bottles and cans in the blue bin out on the curb. Who gets the money for those items? Because I know it's not me. Well, according to CalRecycle, the waste hauling companies that pick up our recycling, like Recology, get to cash in on the bottles and cans we put in them. We're actually the only state with a bottle bill where this is the case. So Paul's right when he says waste haulers are getting paid twice. Consumer advocates, by the way, are not happy with this arrangement. Another issue with the blue bin is waste haulers don't do a perfect job of sorting all the recycling. Oftentimes, food and trash will mix with the bottles and cans, and those containers that don't get redeemed 
inevitably end up in the landfill. The Container Recycling Institute says about 13% of those bottles and cans being recycled are actually being redeemed for cash. So to recap, we're not getting the money we throw out in blue bins, and not all of it is even being recycled. It sounds like it would just be better if we just took all of our recycling to the Redemption Center. If only it were that easy. Yes, Redemption Centers are the ideal way to recycle our bottles and cans and get our money back. But good luck finding one. The Bay Area is like the epicenter of Redemption Center closures. And it's the area of the state that has the the least availability of centers and the more people dependent on each and every center. In the 90s, San Francisco once had about 35 of these centers scattered throughout the city. Today, there are only two, both located in the Bayview District. Since 2013, more than 40% of these centers have closed across the state. California has the least convenient system in the world right now because of these redemption deserts. Why they've had to close is a whole other story. But in short, prices for recycled materials dropped so much, these businesses couldn't survive. This is all pretty frustrating, and it's about to get downright infuriating because Californians should, in theory, be able to take our recyclable beverage containers to the grocery store, just like our question asker Paul did when he was growing up in Maine. Right. And technically, it's the law. Under the bottle bill, supermarkets and retailers that sell beverages are required to recycle them and give us back our money. It should be just as easy to return your bottle or can for redemption as it was to purchase the bottle in the first place. But the problem is most supermarkets don't take our bottles and cans. Only a small handful actually do. And so if a supermarket refuses to take your empty cans, then they have to pay what's called an in lieu fee, a penalty in lieu of redeeming empty containers. It's a $100 fine per day, but this penalty has become a loophole. For a lot of these stores, $100 a day is a bargain not to have to deal with CRV redemption. Some stores try to get away without paying the in lieu fees at all. I brought this up to Cal Recycle, and they said it's incredibly hard to ensure that retailers who say they are taking back in store or paying the in lieu fee are doing exactly what they're saying. It sounds like the system is very broken. That's what a lot of people I spoke to have said. And as a result, with fewer ways to redeem our bottles and cans, the pot of nickels and dimes in the state's fund just keeps growing. As of the end of June last year, the beverage container fund had accumulated $672 million. Susan says you need some of that money to keep the program going, but... You certainly do not want to have a fund balance that's close to $700 million. That indicates a program partial failure. And that 5 or 10 cents extra you pay, consumer advocates say this might not seem like a big deal for some people. The sort of middle class, upper middle class, a lot of them aren't even aware they're paying bottle deposits when they go through the line. They're not even aware. That's Lisa Tucker, an advocate with Consumer Watchdog, who's written several reports on the state's recycling and redemption system. And there are a lot of people in the state of California who actually depend on that money. They actually need cash. They need to fill their tanks with gas. They need to buy food. But if we can't redeem, we lose money. 
it's called a refundable deposit because that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a tax, but it's turned into a tax because we don't have any place to take those bottles and cans to get those dimes and nickels back. That's the fundamental problem. And so we're looking at a situation where the system is imploding. This sounds like a huge mess. Has anyone tried to fix this? Lawmakers know the system isn't working like it's supposed to. So in 2019, the state put aside $5 million to pilot new ways to recycle and redeem our bottles and cans. One of those pilots is now operating in San Francisco. It's called Bottle Bank. It works through an app on your phone, and you have to have an account in order to recycle with them. The app lists their locations and hours, so I grabbed whatever bottles and cans I could find in my apartment. There's probably like 35 cents in here, but still, you know. And I went to one of their busiest locations outside a Safeway by the beach to see how their operation works and if I could get some CRV. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good, good. Look at all these bags. Yeah. From balls and cans. Are these all from today? Yes. The morning shift already got about 50, 30, 50 bags. That's a bottle bank attendant. His name is John John. He's collecting bags, but these aren't just your typical trash bags. These blue colored garbage bags have a QR code on them that connect to your bottle bank account on your phone. John John takes my bottles and cans and throws them into one of these bags. Leave the bag in our scanner. And they scan every bag that they bring in. He scans the QR code on the bag. Then he scans the app on my phone. The bag of cans is now linked to my bottle bank account. After this day, we bring it to the facility and then they will process it. My bag, along with the other bags of the day, will be taken to an off-site recycling center for sorting. This is Jim. He's another bottle bank attendant. So it distinguishes the material type as well as the size of the container and its value. When we process the bottles and cans, the money goes electronically into the bottle bank account. Okay. And after three days, I had about a dollar in my account. San Francisco officials who run the program are proud of it. Here is Charles Sheehan. He's with San Francisco's Department of the Environment and head of the program. I think it's kind of brought bottle and can recycling into, you know, to the modern age, if you will. As of this past summer, the department said it recycled more than 3 million bottles and cans and had given out about $190,000 in CRV. When we think about what our ultimate goal is for CRV, is like to rapidly increase how many people are redeeming, you know, who is redeeming, getting more money back into people's pockets. But Lisa from Consumer Watchdog says the pilot is not recycling enough because the bottle bank sites are only open one day a week, only several hours a day, in select locations. And it's costing taxpayers too much to operate. And we are advocating strongly not to finance the mobile experiments because they aren't penciling out. After analyzing bottle banks' expenses, Consumer Watchdog asked the state's Department of Finance to no longer fund the program saying, quote, it is costing 79 cents to return a nickel to consumers, and it will never be sustainable. These costs include renting out the grocery store parking lots where they're taking bags, labor, materials, and transporting the bottles to the facility. But Lisa says the biggest problem with Bottle Bank is it's allowing grocery stores in the city to refuse people's empty bottles and cans, benefiting supermarkets more than consumers. 
So the minute that they approved this particular pilot, 400 stores got off the hook. That's because under the bottle bill, if a grocery store is within a certain mile radius of a recycling center, then the store doesn't have to recycle or redeem any of our bottles and cans. And they don't have to pay the Enlufi either. Because a stipulation behind all of these pilot programs is that when they say yes to a pilot in an underserved location, it automatically absolves all the supermarkets in the area from either having to take back in store because there's no redemption center or pay that $100 a day. In defense of the program, Charles Sheehan stresses they're still in the pilot phase, which means making revisions while incurring costs. We're growing, and as we grow, you know, we will continue to kind of bring in more revenues and bring our revenues in line with our costs. According to CalRecycle, the state just awarded $500,000 to expand the program. Sheehan says the goal is to get up to 30 locations running with longer operating hours. Meanwhile, Lisa says the tech bottle bank is using isn't new. It's already proven technology. This is not innovation, quote unquote. All of this is about access to redemption. The more convenient it is, the bigger the volume is of what you take in. And then you're covering costs and making some money. We're one of 10 states with bottle bills. Are other states having more success with their programs? Absolutely. Right now, we have a redemption rate of 60%. In comparison, Maine and Oregon have redemption rates of 80 to 90%. In Oregon, there are supermarket-sized redemption centers near grocery stores with multiple ways to recycle, seven days a week, sometimes 24 hours a day. Here's Susan Collins again. You can take your containers inside, and they have banks of RVMs. RVMs, or reverse vending machines, are kiosks with slots in them for you to drop your items. Or if you have a small number of containers, I think it's under 50, you just go straight to the front counter and say, count my containers and give me my money. You can also drop your items off in a bag where they're counted later. And Oregon uses the same technology as Bottle Bank. So if you want the money delivered electronically on your phone, you can do that too. Or get a voucher and use it towards your groceries. So that's why there's a contrast between what's going on in San Francisco. San Francisco does not have all of those locations, does not have all of those layers, and does not have locations that are open for a huge number of hours every week. But it's possible that we could start looking a little like Oregon. A law passed last year says that starting in 2025, large grocery stores will no longer have the $100 a day in Luffy option. So they will truly be responsible for redeeming our bottles and cans. The idea is to create large-scale redemption centers with multiple ways to recycle and redeem items. The retailers have to establish a convenience infrastructure that is equivalent to what it would be if they had, you know, in-store take-back. CalRecycle is giving out more than $70 million in grant money to large grocery store chains to create this infrastructure. It's considered one of the biggest improvements to the bottle bill ever. And CalRecycle's director, Rachel Wagner, says it's a serious investment. This machinery isn't inexpensive to buy up front, right? So if the state's going to purchase it, we want to make sure that that is a long-term investment that we're making in the recycling system. In addition to the new infrastructure, the new law will be adding wine and spirits to the list of redemption options for 25 cents a bottle. Wagner is optimistic that the new law will make a real difference in the number of redeemed containers. 
taking our current redemption rate from 60% to 100 It's ambitious. And uh, even if I don't hit 100%, let's see how close we can get. <laughs> and Susan is also optimistic. If everything goes according to plan, we could have a really good system in California. But she is skeptical about how fast the changes will come. She says her organization first advocated for these changes back in 2009. And it happened in 2022. I also know that if we advocate for something strongly enough and long enough, that eventually it will come to pass. I reached out to Paul, our question asker, and told him how most of the money from unredeemed deposits just sits in the beverage container fund because most of the redemption centers have closed. We pulled up a map of Oakland and found that the nearest redemption center to his home was more than five miles away. I'm curious, I want to get your thoughts on that. Is that feasible? What do you think? Because I live in a small condo, and for me, there's a headache associated with storing a whole separate bag full of cans. Like, I'm not going to go for like two or three cans. But Paul likes the idea of redeeming bottles and cans at supermarkets. I would go to the grocery store to go shopping where I could return my can. So for me, it's an incentive to go shop at their store. Maybe someday soon, Paul will once again be able to head to the grocery store with a bag of cans and come home with a little cash in his pocket. That was reporter and producer Stephen Rascone. Longtime listeners will know this isn't our first rodeo talking about how recycling works and sometimes doesn't. Find links to more Bay Curious episodes in our show notes. As you probably know by now, we are in a fundraising period, but I wanted to point one thing out. People ask me all the time how they can get their hands on some Bay Curious swag. And usually the answer is, well, you have to get on the show and we send you a thank you item for participating. But right now, you can get your hands on one of our thick, luxurious Bay Curious beanies, which I'll just say are legendary among the question askers who have received them. All it takes is becoming a KQED member. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to learn how and stay toasty with us all winter long. Or if you don't need a hat, of course, you can choose from lots of other great items. Again, that's at donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. Big Curious is made by Amanda Font, Christopher Beale, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the entire KQED family. Have a wonderful week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fatah from Throughline. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.